What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in again for another episode of The Tea with Tom. Um, this next episode with Avery Washington from Coldwell Banker Alliance Group Realty. It's a longer one, definitely worth it. Um, just give it a listen. I mean, we talk about his transition from becoming a Marine Raider and his experience in Raiders, um, formerly known as Marsoc within the Marine Corps. And we also talk about real estate investing, how he got into that leadership. It's a good podcast. Um, yeah, just let me know what you think. Enjoy. Love is love. Love is love. Adi- And we are live. All right, so I am here with Avery Washington. And dude, introduce yourself because you're pretty interesting. All right. I mean, so just give the, just the rundown. Yeah, quick background. Easy day. I am Avery Washington. I currently work at Coldwell Banker Alliance School Realty. I'm originally from Connecticut. I was born and raised there. I went to Norfolk State for a couple years. I wasn't so studious. 30 days after leaving there without a degree. I was in the Marine Corps. 12 years later, I jumped out of the Marine Corps and started in real estate full time. That is the most concise version of this story. (laughs) And do you enjoy real estate now? I do. Mm -hmm. I do enjoy it. And my focus may be a little different than most. How do you feel? Because I got into real estate so... Let me make sure I don't need to like rewind. I, my, I don't work for money. I mm-hmm. work toward mastery. Yeah. So the short answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it pays the bills. Yeah. But there are a number of other dynamics that cause it to appeal to me. Mm-hmm. And we'll, those things yeah, we'll, will get unraveled as we go through my story. But I'm definitely enjoying it. I get energized by the ability to take an idea and bring mm-hmm. it to fruition. And I get to do that a lot more in real estate than anything else that I've done. And it almost feels like you're playing, right? It's almost like being a little kid and playing with like yeah, Legos and blocks again. Yeah. Yeah, know? absolutely. I, I like it either, either dealing with someone trying to buy their home which is kind of weird for me because I've never bought a home for myself. Really? It's always been like property, right? Costs mm-hmm. this much, needs this much, makes this much this fast. Yeah. Uh, literally everything I've ever purchased real estate wise has, has been that dynamic, not like the yard we can entertain. Like mm-hmm. I've, never for me, but it is really cool to see somebody have this idea and this budget to make it happen within, and you help them realize that, that does appeal to me. Yeah. Even though I don't have the reference of like, what school my kids are gonna go to or something, cause mm-hmm. I haven't helped make any yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, I think, I feel like the concept, the misconception is a lot of people get into real estate just for the money. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't yeah. at all. I. So when I got out, I mean, I got out June 30th of last year, I already had a handful of rental properties. So I was making enough just for breathing that I was relatively taken care of in the first place. So it was really with the goal of 
doubling down on the market that I had already personally invested into, had developed some level of understanding in and, and really getting a grasp on it, meeting new folks, learning new things and expanding on that that knowledge base, among other things over time. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's a part of what I'm enjoying is seeing that occurring mm-hmm. over time. And I'm absolutely liking every second of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you've been with Alliance Group the entire time, correct? Absolutely. So, <laughs> yes. But I, I think I've interviewed with like five or six different firms. Mm-hmm. I mean, and even after, because people are always trying to poach you all the time. Oh, I, I got <laughs> I got one of those calls yesterday, and I was a little bit ruder than I should have been, just because I was in the middle of a call with a client. Yeah. So I put it on hold, and then they're like, "Ah, right, we have about like the poaching call," and I was like, "Yo, I, I got stuff to do. Yeah. Get off the phone." You know what? I I like ride it out. Yeah. Every time, which I don't know. Maybe I can be a little bit of a black hole sometimes, but <laughs> I just write it out because I, I do want to see. I chose to be where I am for a number of reasons mm-hmm. and just like what splits and whatever other weird reason you commonly hear pitched at you is it's not that simple for me. Yeah. So I like I'm very happy where I am. However, a part of the reason why I do explore it is one, I mean, you don't know what you don't know. So you have the opportunity to get exposed to new ideas, expand your network, meet folks where you never know who you may need to make a phone call to in the future. Yeah. And also I commonly interact with, and I know you do too, people who are interested in becoming an agent, becoming an investor, mm-hmm. getting their license, right? And I can say, yeah, man, where I work at, I don't know if it's quite the place for you based on the things you're trying to achieve, what it seems like you need. But I talked to these folks. I think they're good people. It just didn't work for what I want to do. Autonomy is very important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but for what you require, what you're trying to do or need, I think this would be a good fit, especially when you start talking about people who uh, one person, they work in a school. Right. Yeah. And she was like, I love my job. I don't want to quit. I was like, well, a lot of people don't want you to don't want to play second fiddle to the job you love. So these are some firms that I know of people who do it on the side go to mm-hmm. and they think highly of it. So like that dynamic, among other things. Well, and everyone's situation is different. I mean, mm-hmm. we're in a military heavy town. So if you're going to be the if you're going to have to PCS in three years, you know, go to Oki or mm-hmm. Pendleton or wherever, I mean, it's probably best, in my opinion, to, you know, get on a team or something like a bigger team where they mm-hmm. help you, give you the leads, you have the income because it's, you know, they do help you start up yeah, a little absolutely. bit quicker, I feel. I, uh, even that depends on the person. Like, yeah. I, I, shoot, after being in Marsox in 2011, I was teamed out. uh, it will be all my fault Mm -hmm. good or bad um i'm good (laughs) yeah so you just want to be on your own yeah i feel i feel comfortable betting on myself Mm -hmm. um and don't get me wrong i I don't have any issue with like being in some type of cooperative dynamic but it's i was definitely accustomed to being in a position where 
where I was running a team or had some significant role or influence in what a team was doing. Yeah. Having been there as long as I was. So for me to get out and then just kind of like be under the guise of what someone else wanted to do, Mm -hmm. it would have been a little bit much for me. Yeah. You don't want to be. I just want to live free or die. Yeah. I feel, I mean, everyone's different. Like when I first got out, I was like, I was like, Hey, I need a little bit more of a structured place. So I went mm-hmm. to a place that for me was a little bit more structured. I was like, yeah. All right. I was like, I need, this. for me, I was like, I need this, you know, until I mm-hmm. grew and now I feel more comfortable on my own, but Absolutely. you're definitely right. Not every place is for everyone. Um, I feel like some of these places that are recruiting hardcore, I don't think they, I feel like they kind of forget that sometimes mm-hmm. that so, and so, you know. uh, some of these teams, especially the really successful ones have excellent systems. Oh yeah. Right. So I, I mean, that is a really good dynamic to plug into. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm okay with repeatedly putting my hand on the stove. <laughs> and like that doesn't bother me at all. I'm okay with the idea of like, all right, you can't afford groceries. So let's not do what we did last month again right (laughs) not that that's happening (laughs) but i'm okay with the possibility of that vice other people who've got you're you're okay with experimenting with something Mm -hmm. totally learning from it and just accepting the consequences and moving on yeah because i I, at the end of the day i want to see what i'm capable of yeah i think that appeals to me more than money by a long shot Mm -hmm. i just want to run it full bore i was talking to I was talking to like a coach today on the phone mm-hmm. from one of the people trying to poach me. Mm-hmm. I was like, why not? It's free. And then <laughs> free advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, well, what are your goals? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I mean, it's like, what, what are your sales? I was like, oh, I don't, I don't really know. I'll have to go check. He's like, well, you know, do you have a certain amount you're trying to make a month or a number of sales or this or that? I was like, um, Honestly, I just want to see what I'm capable of. I think I could definitely do twice as much business as I do now. If I operated more efficiently, I think I could reasonably sustain three times the amount of business I do now. Yeah. I don't really care if that means I sell ten sixty thousand $60,000 homes a month mm-hmm. or ten six dollars $600,000 homes a month. It really doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. I just want to see what I can do. That's it. And then he was like, okay. <laughs> well, I think that was the same thing with me. Someone asked um, when I first was doing this. I didn't know the answer to that question either. Mm-hmm. All the interviews are like, well, how much do you want to make? Dude, I don't know. Um, yeah. At the time, I was like, I'm a 23-year-old kid fresh out of Marine Corps. I'm pretty sure I don't even know how much I was making in the Marine Corps. Yeah. So I just remember how much my check was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just remember that all my bills were covered. Yeah. And that was it. But... um. Yeah, I never knew how much I wanted. I think my answer to that was, uh, I was like, well, who sells the most here? And then I was like, okay, well, then I want to do that much. Like, But, but yeah. it's because I didn't know the answer. And I wasn't going to like put myself in a box or like say I have to make this much. Or I didn't want to basically just put a label on mm-hmm. how much I was going to make. I just wanted to experiment, like just try Yeah trash it out, figure it out, and do as many things as possible, you know? I mean, I think for me, I got into real estate. 
um, I mean, I liked real estate because I had investment properties when I was in. And, mm-hmm. You know, I did a little bit of flip here and there on the side. And then when I got out, I was like, oh. I was like, I understand this shit. So I'm going to get into it. But I really just wanted to practice like marketing and media. And that was, yeah. I was like, well, this is the outlet for it, you know? Mm-hmm. I was like, no one's going to hire the kid with no marketing experience. So I might as well just do it myself yeah. and figure it out. That's a good deal. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So I think you were kind of the same way though. Like you didn't, you just wanted to, you just want yeah, to see I, what would happen. I'm absolutely. Well, yes. I mean, I definitely have specific goals, mm-hmm. but I'm not afraid to fail Yeah. in finding what works best for me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've always kind of been that way. I mm-hmm. mean, no matter what it pertains to, mm-hmm. I'm just willing to figure out like what is me running at max capacity mm-hmm. definitely i mean it's probably why you were able to become a cso and stuff right i think do you so think it was that same kind of attitude of just i'm just gonna try shit well a little bit so one thing i would say is i definitely recognize that i'm constantly evolving mm-hmm. so i would i would confidently say i don't think i'm the, the same version of myself by a long shot that i was when i went over I, I mean, when I joined the Marine Corps, I couldn't swim. Mm-hmm. I was a, a data network specialist. I'm not tech savvy. I was terrible at that job. And then, lo and behold, the first unit I ended up at was an MOS school in Cherry Point, CNET. Mm-hmm. They have contractors on site to repair all the computers. <clears throat> all right, so I, I literally am in a position where I don't do my job. There's no field, anything, no deployments. I know my schedule reasonably for the next three years. Um, we don't even have any field gear, like radios, nothing. Right. So for me, I was just in a position where it wasn't quite what I expected. So I made the most of it. And I, I happened to end up being a legal clerk. Mm-hmm. which doesn't help with knowing how to do your job. And I'm being a legal clerk and I share an office with the career planner. Mm-hmm. Not sure what title they were calling themselves at, at the time. But, and he happened to be a, a SIGINT guy prior to becoming a career planner. Oh, wow. Ironically. And then when he got married to his wife, who was from East Africa, I'm pretty sure like he lost his clearance or something weird. And then he became a career planner. (laughs) So (laughs) he worked in Horn of Africa for a hot minute. And he would tell me all the time. He'd be like, you know, hey, Avery, I I, I work with these guys at Marsoc. I think you should really check it out. I think he'd be interested Mm -hmm. in it. He'd like tell me this all the time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, Yeah, Marsoc sounds good. And then uh, So one day they do a brief at the base theater and they pre-screen everybody. If you Mm -hmm. meet some criteria that they find inside of the computer, they like tell you to go to this brief. All right. So I'm already feeling all special. So I'm like, yeah, I'm supposed to be here. Right. Yeah. And then uh, (laughs) so I go to I go to it. And at the time. I mean, the, the organization was way different than it is now, but it just recently opened up to non infantry. At the time, you could literally pick any month of the year and go to selection. It was before the pre-selection was a thing. I picked a date nearly a year after that brief because I was finishing my degree. 
So I, I, I knocked out my degree at the end of that year. And then January of 2011, I went to selection. Right, so I just, I've always had the attitude that I'm going to finish. What you started. What I started. How it ends outside of me giving it 100% is beyond me. But either I'm going to complete this successfully or fail epically, one or the other. Yeah. But I'm not going to be the person that like decides when to stop. It's just going to end. And I'll be like, well, that's over. Yeah. That's just, <laughs> just kind of how I, I don't know how I ended up wired that way, but that's just how I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that I'm still that way now, definitely. But I think I've expanded how I am with that. I like so, and even in getting to Marsoc, so I, I I took swim lessons because you could get them for free on base, and I would practice a stroke, and then I would take swim lessons again and practice the next one until I could swim, and and then even in the course I couldn't do the crawl stroke when I went to Marsoc. And then they were like, yeah, you're going to do a time swim test. I was like, oh, man, I, I should get ready for that. Yeah. So so I was going to the pool every day. And uh, it's crazy because it's crazy because a, a friend of mine who passed earlier this year, remember Diego Pongo, he would go with me every time. And he was crushing it, right? Like mm-hmm. he didn't. I mean, I'm sure being a part of him being good was practicing and right and rehearsing but he would literally go with me and just hit the pool train hone whatever he was working on like really solid dude and then uh i just would work on whatever i needed to refine so i'd be ready for that portion of the course and then lo and behold shoot whatever April to December is months later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I finally graduated by the skin of my teeth. I was terrible in that course, <laughs> like the whole time, except maybe the last month or two. Yeah, terrible, and I can admit that. But well, I think even for me when I went through DLI, I was on academic probation the whole time. Yeah, I was definitely on <laughs> academic probation. Uh, well, there were four phases at the time. I don't know how they have it structured now. I was on academic probation from the second through the fourth phase of the course, <laughs> which is a good portion of it. <laughs> uh, but it worked out. It worked out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm definitely glad I had the opportunity to experience that, mm-hmm. to make it through, to, to meet the folks that I did, for sure. And to to see some of the things that I got to see. Yeah. For sure. It was I I learned a lot from it and I grew a lot from it more. Do you feel like being in that community helped you out a lot? Being with people yeah, who definitely. Are a bit higher level or caliber in general than the rest of the Marine Corps? Well Yes, but I wouldn't characterize it that way. Mm-hmm. Right. And I it's been a while since I've had this conversation with anybody, but we often don't realize while we're in how controlled our environment is, mm-hmm. right? Where every single person you interact with, no matter how smart or not smart you think they are, mm-hmm. they've met some baseline level of background check, 
They have a minimum level of intelligence, of physical fitness, mm -hmm. right? A, a number of things. They're categorized by their like aptitude and certain skill sets or traits. So you're in this stacked environment, right? And then you're also in an environment where like, you know, all just those days where you could just do stuff all day. Mm -hmm. And if you thought about it, it'd be like, we well, literally accomplished nothing. Yeah. Right. You're also in those two dynamics and then you leave. And then I realized this real quick when I was in real estate, this commission based job. I was like, if I did that all week or all month, I would not be able to pay my bills. So we're going to not do that anymore. Yeah. Right. You learn really quick what, how to prioritize your time. Uh, what's a worthwhile use of like your effort and energy where you have to give real thought about these things. Not that you don't have to in that environment, but it, it's simplified more than you realize. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with the, the characteristics of the people around you. Like sure there's undesirables in any group, yeah. but the reality is even with whatever it is they did, where maybe they're, they're not the best portrayal of the organization they're in of whatever branch they're in that person the fact that they're there is a is a, a price to action that a large majority of the u.s population would never pay mm -hmm. even if that was just the inconvenience of basic training and an mos school and a deployment or two no matter how terrible they may have done at it right yeah. it's just that it, there's something about them that they've demonstrated that sets them apart. And I think sometimes, especially for veterans, when they get out and they remove themselves from that, and mm -hmm. you start to see a lot of guys who depression or suicide, or they miss it. What yeah. they really miss is that dynamic, mm -hmm. right? I don't miss people like asking me when I'm going to get a haircut or why I haven't yeah. shaved. Right. <laughs> yeah. But you miss that dynamic. So I think, uh, recognizing that that's why I really appreciate having been there because it created, it repeatedly put me in a position where I had the opportunity to bet on myself yeah. and then to give some more context. So like when I came to Marsoc, uh, first and second, we're only deploying to the middle East third deployed third battalion deployed all over the world and this is when it was you know the marine special operations battalion and when i went there all the team chiefs were staff sergeants i remember like the first gunny and the first master sergeants being team chief it was like they had a like new prize or something yeah. it's like you heard that team's got a master sergeant as team chief <laughs> so i i got there with the under i was a sergeant thinking like well you know, when I pick up staff sergeant, I might have to be ready to run the show sometime. Yeah. And it was before we had the oversight of companies in third, first and second, always had it. So teams were designing their own workups, mm -hmm. literally doing the majority of the administrative and logistics work and communication for deploying across the world. So I, I always had that understanding of kind of digging into the details and being prepared to make stuff happen. Literally just take an idea and, and make it a reality, right? Over time and, and distance in a language or two. 
So what I'm really appreciative of is the opportunity to do that repeatedly and understanding really the, the benefit of being in a team, right? So from the outside looking in, it, nobody's going to interact with me or look yeah. at me and be like, that guy must have been in special operations, <laughs> right? Like even when I tell people sometimes, they just assume I'm just kind of like bullshitting. Yeah. Like I'm BSing them. Like, yeah, I was at, you know, I was at third for this time. It's like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they just think I was like a radio operator or something. Cause that's a reasonable assumption. There's a pattern, right? Like enough to assume that I was like, uh, no, like I was a operator there. And then normally it's not till they come in, uh, the office and then they say I have my paddle on the mm-hmm. wall in the office I haven't even decorated my house my office is more decorated and they're like oh you were like actually in Marsa I'm like yeah that's that's what I told you but okay <laughs> yeah it's good though because you learn like everybody's got their strengths like there's the dude where you're not going to have him handle money but he can he can lift an absurd amount of weight for a long distance and not complain about it. Yeah. Or he can, he can set up a, a defense or he understands tactics like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times and this happens, this is happening way more than normal in society right now, especially. But a lot of times we look at the differences between one another and we alienate and, and ostracize people. Yeah. But that's the benefit of being in a team is to leverage this ecosystem of folks with separate strengths mm-hmm. that you can utilize to get things done. Because instead of ostracizing, you're utilizing yeah, it's like Yeah, like, uh, like the folks who are a little bit of a brain, right? Yeah. It's like, sure, I'm not going to have you plan the workout for the week mm-hmm. necessarily. I'm going to have the dude who weighs 300 pounds and still can run three miles in 18 minutes because yeah. it seems like he's figured this out. Yeah. Right. But for the things that take a more, take a little bit more mental judo, it's like, all right, well, this guy is up. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to know what he thinks about this because mm-hmm. he thinking is his thing yeah. or, or whatever it may be. Or the, the person who like, Somebody may have, or especially with translators, right, have really good cultural understanding, obvious command of whatever language, right? But you wouldn't hand them, like you wouldn't lend them money (laughs) necessarily. (laughs) And that doesn't characterize everybody, but everybody has their thing. The ability to recognize that and make the most of it in this group dynamic is super important. Absolutely. So that's what I learned the most Mm -hmm. from there. And I'm super appreciative of that. Of being able to be with that, yeah, like that environment. In, in that environment to learn it and to recognize it. Because I just, you know, when I joined the Marine Corps, I basically just thought the whole thing was like recon. Yeah, you know, like we're just, yeah, just going to like paint our faces and be in the jungle and <laughs> ride Zodiacs and climb cliffs and slay the dragon. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> just thought the whole thing. And then I even remember when I was in MOS school, and they were, we were doing the wish list for duty stations. And I asked if I could put Iraq and they were like, let's focus on passing the course first. I was like, all right, fair enough. And then I go to a non-deployable unit. <laughs> all right. So I was just, uh, I got to learn a lot mm-hmm. and grow a lot, which was super important to me. 
That's good. And I still stay in touch with most of those dudes. That's good. So it's not like I miss it. I would say you don't feel like since you got out, it's just kind of like, you know, like excommunicado or anything. You're no. Just, like, you're no, I, and, and I've always been really laid back anyway. I'm not the person who wants to know everything, right? That's gone. So, yeah, I, like, unless it has to do with me, mm-hmm. like, it's your business. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, if you need something, let me know. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, but I'm not like, hey, where are guys going? What are you up to? I'm like, doing? no, if I'll just go. Why don't you invite me to the barbecue? Yeah, it's like if I wanted that, I would go be a contractor. Mm-hmm. Like, I can still go to a shooting range. I can go pay to jump out of a plane. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm not going to pay to do it. <laughs> it's expensive. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I can still do all those things with the same people. And if I really wanted to, I could still go deploy yeah. for more money around relatively the same type of people. It just it doesn't necessarily appeal to me in itself anymore. Well, that's a common trend, I feel like, with a lot of guys who get out in jobs that have mm-hmm. contractor abilities or contracting gigs out in the outside world. I mean, I know for me, I mean... Pretty much, I think about half of all the guys and ladies I got out with mm-hmm. went straight into contracting. I mean, absolutely. I mean, and, and, and they're working with some of our other friends who are still active duty, mm-hmm. and some of them like it just because they want to be in the they want to be around them in the environment. Absolutely, and probably with less restriction and mm-hmm. oversight, and, and for some of them, better pay. Um, yeah, I would and, say the pay is nice too, but for mm-hmm. some of them, it's just being back and around that environment absolutely without the constraints necessarily yeah without the haircut and the uniform Mm -hmm. because i uh i'm trying to think when i when i was getting out i looked at it a little bit Mm -hmm. and i I remember on the low end i think the least i was looking at getting paid a day if i did contracting was it's like 400 something dollars a day like starting out the pays that i saw range from 400 something to 550 a day Mm-hmm. which is pretty sweet but it's just like and a part of why I left the military in general was just I felt like I was capable of more than that granted I have the luxury of finding out right I don't have a wife and kids depending on me to do anything mm-hmm. I'm just responsible for not starving to death Yeah, and even that I've got like you can go every three days without eating right so yeah. Even I've got a little bit of wiggle room in that. <laughs> and yeah, I'll just roll through the residence in and act like I'm a guest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah, but like, uh, so a lot of dudes, uh, a lot of dudes, well, let me roll it back. So one, I'm a part of, so the, the Wilmington Chamber of Commerce, we're starting it organically but I'm the chair of the Veteran Business Council that the Wilmington Chamber of Commerce is starting. Mm-hmm. And then it was something that I discussed with uh, Catherine Bruner. She's actually a real estate broker in Wilmington. And then also Bianca Kyle. She's a, a veteran as well. And she's in, she works for Black Anchor Print Goods down there. But for me getting out, I realized there's a ton of resources, organizations, networking opportunities that exist. And I had the the privilege of just being like, well, because I met Catherine after I was out. And then I started following her and she was a city leader for Bunker Labs, which is like a 
a nonprofit focused on veteran entrepreneurship, a mm-hmm. lot of excellent resources. So I started to know her. I started following Bunker Labs. And then, you know, Facebook just suggests stuff to you. Mm-hmm. So it was like Downtown Business Alliance, Wilmington. I started following that. And then Network for Entrepreneurs in Wilmington and mm-hmm. Port City Young Professionals. Right. And I just thought, and there's a ton of stuff out there yeah. that people don't know about. And if you're in survival mode, it's, it's not that easy sometimes to just decide to change what you're doing mm-hmm. while you still have a need to meet, not know if you'll meet that and just wander off into the unknown with people depending on you. All right. That was one aspect. And then the other thing was I, I did a transition program called the Honor Foundation, which is a, a transition program for special operators or folks who have been enablers in the community. And they do like develop career development, help you build resumes. They have mentors. Mm-hmm. I think the program, it was roughly 17 weeks. We did treks to Wilmington, treks like the adult way to say field trip, mm-hmm. but Wilmington, Durham, Atlanta, and we're going and doing lunches and and dinners and having meetings with these organizations, in some cases, even meeting the CEO of them, mm-hmm. right? And, and they're all saying the same thing. They're saying, we will teach you how to do what we're hiring you to do. Yeah. The reason why we want you here is for the traits you have that we can't teach you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, and this ties into the contracting thing, a lot of times folks transitioning off of active duty, even people retiring, it's Mm -hmm. very hard to do something for four to 30 years that is paid you every 15 days. Mm -hmm taking care of your family, giving you a place to live. And you just think, you know what? I'm going to do something completely different. Yeah. Right. And be comfortable with that. Yeah. I tell dudes all the time, you will never feel like you're ready Mm -hmm. ever. All you can do is prepare as much as possible and keep pushing. One day you're just going to be like, Hey guys, like we're not homeless and we have food in the refrigerator Mm-hmm. I think I've been out for like a year. Maybe we figured this out. Yeah. You're never going to feel ready. You're literally changing your entire life. Mm-hmm. And, and Robert Kiyosaki talks about this in one of the million books that he wrote. <laughs> he talks about rich dad saying that people get addicted to the way they earn money. Oh, right? yeah. And I don't know if I would like characterize it just the same, but you certainly condition yourself. You get comfortable. Absolutely. So, and that's a part of it as well. Cause nobody thinks like, you know what? I've been an infantry man for 20 years. I could be an insurance agent, yeah. right? Like who draws that line? So uh, people kind of uh, pigeonhole themselves mm-hmm. into these opportunities they think are available when they don't know that. Sure. The police department would take you, whatever paramilitary company would take you and pay you an absurd amount of money. But also this commercial bank would be interested in you yeah. as well. This real estate company, this marketing firm, this consulting firm would also be interested in you because even though you don't realize it, you possess a number of traits that you've demonstrated over years. In some people's cases, decades 
that they cannot teach people and that you don't get from going to an MBA program. Yeah. Right. So that's well, super important. It's a lot of inherent traits that you can't. Mm-hmm. Some people are, I guess, like born with it, but other people you just kind of, you're for, it's forced into you based on the environment you decide Absolutely. to put yourself into. Absolutely. And you, and you can manufacture it too. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely feel like I deliberately am changing myself over time, especially mm-hmm. in the last 12, 18 months. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like the, the things that you listen to, the, the type of content that you consume, the people you surround yourselves with, yeah. the way you think and of yourself, mm-hmm. right? It's imp- if you want to change the outcome you're going to have to change the inputs. Yeah. And it can be a scary thing because no matter how safe the outcome you want is, the reality is it's completely unknown to you. Mm -hmm. So surrounding yourself with examples of people who've successfully done it is important. Thinking positively, staying oriented toward that goal, and finding ways to continually progress toward it mm-hmm. is huge. Uh, and that was a big reason why when Catherine talked with me and Bianca about that Veteran Business Council, at the time, she asked me if I wanted to do it, if I wanted to chair it. And I was like, yes, mm-hmm. I will have to talk to you about what that means. But I, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're kind of growing it organically. And then uh, starting to lean in a little more into it and, and build it up. But that's definitely something I'm going to be digging more into. Are you excited to be starting that? But yeah, absolutely. It's this weird balance of a lot of veterans, a lot of guys get out and they're like, because they say, I don't want a boss, or I don't want to work for anybody. But mm-hmm. then they start getting into business with no resources or help and some make it and they're very good at it. And mm-hmm. others realize they this isn't what they expected you know yeah it's it's a grind Mm -hmm. and i'm learning that still too like a a perfect example was so i have no issue with burning the midnight oil however so even right now i'm awake roughly 18 hours a day which sounds terrible Mm -hmm. it was terrible until i made one change so i would routinely i'd get up at like 5 30 and then I'd just, I'd still be doing stuff. It'd be like 11 at night, midnight. I'd be like, this day isn't long enough. Yeah. Right. And then I would go to sleep for a short period of time, hour and a half, three hours and wake up. And after doing that for longer than I should have been doing it, I recognized like, man, you're kind of like hyper productive between the hours of 2.30 and 8 in the morning. Like you, you're burning it down. Yeah. <laughs> what? If you shifted your sleep schedule to have you awake during the time of day that you seem to be the most productive, mm-hmm. right? So I started going to bed. I've been able to do this almost every day except yesterday, mm-hmm. <laughs> ironically. But going to bed 8 to 8.30, waking up like 2.30, I just going to work. takes less time. No one's there. You only sleep 8.30. 8.30 to 2.30 in the morning. Okay. I wake up, get dressed, leave immediately. I don't need to like smell good, look good, because no one's there. It's just dark computer in me. And I would knock out what previously took me a whole day to do. Mm -hmm. 
by breakfast. So like that in itself alleviated the stress in this yeah. like grind feeling. You know how you just feel like you're grinding so hard to make stuff happen? Like just that change made a huge difference. And sometimes people don't realize like the importance of making adjustments mm-hmm. in order to be more effective or efficient. Yeah. I mean, I'm the same way when it comes to me editing and doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. My best hours are literally from anywhere from 10 p.m. to like 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. And so I wake up probably, I mean, I get up around 3.30 or 4 now and just that's my time to edit. I sit down, no one else can talk to me or sometimes I'll stay up late and won't come to bed till midnight. But I know like because if I try to do it during the day, then I got calls, appointments, Absolutely. meetings, everything. And mm-hmm. All that stuff I need to, all that desk work I need to do just doesn't get done as efficiently as it should for me. Um, so I'm definitely with that, like realizing that because everyone's hours are different. You know, I mean, a lot of these books talk about like, well, the best time is this or this. But yeah, it's different for everyone. Absolutely. There's you, no universal you, time that's yeah, better. You go on Instagram and it's like Bill Gates wakes up at this time. Yeah. Jeff Bezos wakes up at this time. Like, bro, he wakes up at that time now. Yeah. He did yeah. not wake up at that time when he was building Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone um, talks about that, tries to make like what works for someone else work for them. But it, and I did that too. I was like, well, shit, this person's doing it mm-hmm. like this. I should do it this way. And mm-hmm. I very, now, I don't, you know, I can't even say I quickly realized it took me a long time to yeah. where I was like, it took me like a year. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think I'm the same. It took me about a year where I was like, shit, like this, this isn't for me. And then yeah. I, like you, I switched it up and I was like, oh, wow, I'm a little bit less stressed. I feel better and yeah. I can, I feel more, I know I'm more productive and I'm not freaking out, you know? Yeah. The, the crazy thing was when I did that, mm-hmm. after about a week, I started running out of things to do. Mm. And then I was like, so now I know how much time I was wasting in a day before. Yeah. Right. I'm reasonably getting the same amount done. And now it's like, so uh, maybe I should start like prospecting or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. So, so just, I definitely want to do that. I, I've been in a good position to be able to wander a little bit. Mm-hmm. And for folks that don't have time to do that, yeah, I absolutely would love to help them just like have this hub of information and resources and, relationships to be like hey you know what are you interested in what are you good at mm-hmm. don't worry like sure you're gonna worry about money because your bills are gonna show up so you won't forget right yeah. but like where do these things align let's find the intersection of that and you getting paid mm-hmm. all right it seems like based on these things you'd actually be well suited for x i know a guy or I'm familiar with this organization. I can introduce you to whoever and mm-hmm. and let me know what you think or give it a shot. Like that goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, many folks do realize it in this day and age, but it's simpler to influence than most most folks know. Yeah. They just think like, I don't know anybody, but between LinkedIn, COVID crushed, most of the planned networking that was happening, but yeah. even Jacksonville had like a Jacksonville Young Professionals mm-hmm. uh, thing that I think it typically went at the Angry Ginger. 
But even Jacksonville had like professional networking events. There's all of these little things that you can do. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm excited about being involved in that and, mm-hmm. and helping in any way I can. Yeah. And do you feel like a lot of your prior experience with being in a leadership role is going to help as well too? Because you, I, I definitely think so. Yeah. I don't know if I can directly translate it. Mm-hmm. Like it's not that clean, but. But just the confidence. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It, it that goes a long way. Yeah. Realistically, it goes a long way because I've definitely been in a a number of positions where I'm not as senior as I reasonably should be. And I realize I can't depend on someone else to make it happen to the to the degree that I think it should. And the only person whose reputation is at stake is mine. Yeah. So in those instances where I felt like that was the dynamic I absolutely made sure that things were done with some degree of artistic integrity for the sake of characterizing it. And being in that situation often enough, it definitely helps me become more confident in my ability to just make something happen if I need to. And to help out others when needed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's come up a few times lately. This is a really like kind of a rabbit hole example, but. Ironically, it's come up a few times lately with powers powers of attorney and purchasing property at foreclosure auction. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like, yeah, man, I, I literally, I did this Monday. So I'm super familiar with it. This is what you do. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, yeah, you know, I uh, I can call and like, mm-hmm. no, I know what I'm doing. This is it. Yeah. It, it, it takes a load off. Mm-hmm. It, I don't know how, but it does. Just to know, like, this is way simpler than I realized. Pretty straightforward. You can finish it in a in a morning. Let me walk you through it. Mm-hmm. And just that, whether it's something as small as this, some document, so someone can, like, buy or sell a house or walking someone through trying to change careers, mm-hmm. right, or, or start a business, the ability to reference experience and leverage other people's knowledge is huge and it goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because doubting yourself is definitely not going to help. Definitely not the way to go. It, it, yeah, it does yourself. not help. Just, no matter, like, there's always going to be something that happens that you don't want to happen. Mm-hmm. You don't have to inflict it on yourself. <laughs> right? And there's always going to be somebody but like, they can't get they can't do it mm-hmm. they're gonna fail you don't have to do that to yourself there's mm-hmm. already somebody who's gonna think that who's gonna be doubting you, you regardless yeah, you, you may as well absolutely believe in what you're doing have the awareness to recognize what is is not working mm-hmm. and adjust on the ride there if you can do that unless you're like just in an industry that's gonna tank mm-hmm by virtue of like the development of technology, you reasonably can figure yourself out. And be successful. Yeah, well enough. Yeah. Absolutely. Achieve some degree of success. Mm -hmm. Shoot, even Kodak is managing to raise itself from the dead. (laughs) I I, I saw an article saying that they received funding for developing a COVID-19 vaccine. Kodak? Kodak. I think they've re... Are they like Yamaha and like... Like how Yamaha got into making drums and uh, to, to be honest guitars. with you, 
I happened to run across this, mm-hmm. and it was talking about how they basically rebranded them. I mean, rebrand is like a re a understatement. <laughs> but they pivoted, yeah, pivoted to, to go from like just being irrelevant because anyone can take a picture on the phone to getting into developing vaccines and like biotech or pharmaceuticals or something of that nature. It was kind of interesting to, to skim across it. Huh. So I'm going to have to dig. I read that this morning. I'm going to have to dig a little deeper. But they got millions of dollars. like For research? For it, it caused, I want to say they stated that when they got this, I want to say it was a grant or federal funds, mm-hmm. their stock surged 1,900% Jeezy. when they received this money. I mean, shoot, that's... About as good as when they like established a cryptocurrency. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just holy shit. Complete sentiment buying, <laughs> but uh, it's good if you were the one who added it. I'm saying, can you imagine being that one person who's like, oh, I'm gonna buy this as a joke, and the next thing you know, you got totally. I just I can also imagine them doing it again and losing it all. <laughs> yeah, <trying to> do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that's the logic they base all their transactions on, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Well, that was nice." <laughs> yeah. They just keep the sheet for when they had some money. <laughs> just keep the screenshot. Just like I was up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is terrible. <laughs> yeah, but so shifting, you want to talk about um, some recent events that happened? Yeah. In the um, yeah, Let's I give them a little that. bit of context and background on that. Do you do bathroom breaks? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I forgot to tell you that in the beginning, that bathroom breaks are totally... Nice. Yeah, I'll let Can we that take out. one? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always do one at about this point anyways. So I started last year, didn't do much with it, but now I restarted this year. And now I've got two podcasts, I've got this one, and... What's the other one? Uh, the other one's called Mindful Morons. It's me and some of my other buddies um, from the Marine Corps. And we just kind of <laughs> bullshit. We talk about like the most controversial shit and we're yeah. super politically incorrect and rude. It, it's also kind of a way for the three of us to kind of convene. Also bring um, some of our other friends who got out of the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like a weird group therapy session. You know, mm-hmm. we don't talk about our feelings, but it almost feels therapeutic. Yeah. We all get together and we all talk and bullshit about a topic. And, you know, mm-hmm. we also feel like we're all creating something again together yeah. like we used to before. That's so, awesome. So it, it, that's not what it was intended for, but that's kind of what it became. You okay. Know, it's just, it actually does better than this podcast and it has zero advertising. And it's been up the exact same amount of days with less episodes. Where do I watch these? Um, I mean, YouTube, but even the podcast mm-hmm. app on like your iPhone or Google Play or Spotify, mm-hmm. Stitcher, any of those places where there's where they have podcasts. Okay. You just type them in, you can listen to it. Or if you just go onto YouTube and find it, I mean, because we also just post them up on YouTube because a lot of people are like, oh, well. I don't listen to them on podcasts, but I'll mm-hmm. listen to them on YouTube and play in the background. I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, those are pretty much where a lot of people mm-hmm. find them. But yeah, I, I don't think I've been doing this for very long, but I like it. I like the the approach, the method. The, Absolutely. And the ability that it gives me to create content, but also talk to people. I mean, without the distractions of phones or 
the coffee shop of people coming in and out. Mm-hmm. And it's like an actual conversation I have with someone. It's it's ironic. When I first started in real estate, I, I had this idea that I wanted to do something like this where I like mm-hmm. have a podcast or some type of show where I interview folks. Mm-hmm. But after a while, I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like conversing with people. Mm-hmm. I absolutely enjoy exchanging ideas. Yeah. I Even when I'm by myself, I make a point of finding a way to do it. I, I don't listen to music mm-hmm. unless I am concerned I'm going to fall asleep at the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of that, I, I literally listen to audiobooks, debates, lectures mm-hmm. from a full range of people that I agree with to folks I absolutely don't agree with, but I am at least interested to see the basis of their perspectives. Yeah. Even if I think they're faulty. <laughs> well, and that that's kind of like a good, re- why I like this whole thing too, is I can talk to, I mean, I've talked to people who have di- very different viewpoints on the mm-hmm. same topic, you know, and I get their perspective one-on-one and it's not like a quick five minute quip or anything like that. And like, it's an actual conversation digging uh-huh. deep that's why i say like a minimum of an hour because after 20 30 minutes that's when people start opening but, but uh-huh. we've we've gone past all this subsurface stuff and now it's like well now we have to find more to talk about that's when people start uh-huh. digging a little bit deeper to talk about certain topics i mean uh-huh. the one i do with jermaine was very good you know i mean yeah i saw some of that yeah absolutely he's, he's really i don't know what the right like I don't think adamant is the right word, but he he has some contrarian points of view mm-hmm. as far as his background. And it's ironic. I, I talk with him and Kelly when they do their show sometimes. Yeah. And I, I sat on, in on one of their shows, but I'm normally like there when they do it. Yeah. And we'll talk about stuff off off camera all the time. Mm-hmm. And I. Uh, coincidentally I'm probably like in the middle of both of them like I'll yeah. hear them especially mm-hmm. Kelly Kelly's loud I'll hear them they'll have their guests they'll be talking about something I'll be like actually I think all of you are wrong yeah. <laughs> and then and then I would, I would like go down the line like you know because yeah like what you're saying there's uh-huh. this aspect of it but you're not considering like this thing and this <laughs> well, and, and that's like my the one I do with my friends I mean they do we all do that to each other because yeah. you know we don't agree and we'll be talking about a topic and I'll say something that's like, ah, oh, that's not true. Mm-hmm. And then we'll sit there and we'll be like, shit, like that's not true. Or yeah. they'll say something. And I'll be like, oh, I don't agree with that. But yeah, because uh, one, one you, you see more and more often these days. Are we shooting now? Yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Cool. You, you see more and more often these days where people, when you disagree with someone, I disagree with my sister all the time. We like randomly debate over social media, uh-huh. um, mostly in private messaging <laughs> and text occasionally. And I, I, I talked to like my whole family this weekend. It was weird. But yeah. That's a separate for hours, right? Oh. Which is a separate ball. It was a good conversation. But uh, a lot of times when you disagree with someone, they take that as an opportunity to prove to you why you're wrong. Instead of asking questions. Uh, or even like, uh, for me, I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. So if I hear someone expressing a certain perspective and they're reasonably addressing me, 
I felt comfortable saying I disagree. Mm-hmm. It's not because I want to talk about like why you're right well, and they're wrong. Why do you believe that? And this mm-hmm. is why I believe that. And and this is why it's right. It's mm-hmm. just because I want you to know I'm not the sounding board you were hoping for. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's it. It's like I disagree. The end. And if you really want to know, like I'd explain it. But one, I think because the ability to communicate in mass, mm-hmm. right, that social media is provided, people mistake the ability to communicate their ideas and opinions as the same thing as the need to do so, right? Yeah. And two, what I feel like a lot of folks don't realize is that we're the sum of our experiences, you reasonably believe the things you do because of what you've gone through in your life, the things you've learned, the way you were raised, educated, what you've endured. It is quite possible that regardless of how drastic and different your opinions are, you are both completely correct mm-hmm. as far as you are concerned in the span of your own existence and from someone else's perspective, absolutely wrong. Yeah. Right. Like that is the reality. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So for me, that's also why it's just like, well, I don't agree, but I mean, I'm fine with that being the end of it. Right. And and also I'm very comfortable with the idea of being proven wrong. Yeah. Right. So it's not like I have to convince you this is the way. Mm -hmm. Right. I'll do my thing as long as I'm not endangering you Mm -hmm. or hindering you from what you're trying to do very comfortable in seeing who's right over time. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, regardless of the idea, as long as it's not dangerous to mm-hmm. people, it's like, well, we'll see who's right. Yeah. And I'm kind of, <clears throat> I've been on that for a while too, because I've never really cared if you believed A or B, but my thing was always um, the reason why. For me, it was always like, what, how or why did you get to A or B? Mm-hmm. And just being true, being honest and truthful about it. If you're literally just going to be like, well, this is because mm-hmm. so-and-so said it, and that's why I believe it, then fine. You know, mm-hmm. maybe not the best reason, but at least you're honest. But that's always been my thing is I just want people to not just accept the answer from whatever <coughs> media outlet they listen to the most or absolutely someone else just said it. So, and you like that person. So you're going to agree with them. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always been like, like, okay, is this the sky is blue, but why is it blue? And someone's just like, well, that's because, well, when lizards fart, this certain gas comes out. I'm like, all right, so you're right that it's blue, but I'm not going to agree with you because yeah. your reasoning is totally <laughs> out there, you know? And, and that's where it's come to. It's like I feel like people have the right answer, but how they get to it is mm-hmm. what what's been concerning me. Yeah, in today's environment, absolutely. Well, not only that, but there's also this expectation for people to accommodate the beliefs of others Mm -hmm. and how they interact with them like there's Mm -hmm. a difference between me showing you respect and being considerate and treating you with dignity and you demanding that i like think of you a certain way Mm -hmm. regardless of my own beliefs I think the two things can coincide coincide with one another, but not in light of one group imposing like these requirements on another. Yeah. It's like you can both just believe whatever you want. 
I, I don't think that requires like some subservience on mm-hmm. one end or the next. So it's a lot of weird stuff going on <laughs> that I don't like so many things mm-hmm. that just going on that I don't really agree with mm-hmm. or prescribe to. Um, and one thing I get into it with my sister, I want to say get into it like we verbally debate is uh, we talk about, so to give some more background to like mm-hmm. peel the onion so it doesn't just sound weird, I'm talking really vague. So my parents are from Mississippi, mm-hmm. right? Grew up, were born in the mid 50s, lived in Mississippi. My grandparents from Mississippi, my, my grandmother was born in 1912. She's a little older. She's not alive now. She was a little older than my grandfather. So, you know, both of them, my grandmother, grandfather, they went to college. They obviously grew up in one of the portions of the country that got the memo that like racism wasn't cool later than others. Mm-hmm. And they became educators. My grandmother was a teacher. My grandfather was a principal. And this is on my mother's side of the family. Both my parents went to, to college uh, in the South and they made their way up North. So I've like, I've absolutely grown up understanding some of the dynamics that certainly exist. I grew up in Connecticut, like mm-hmm. born and raised. Uh, my parents been married longer than I've been alive. They still live in the house I grew up in, right? Very stable upbringing. But some of the things I had the opportunity to recognize is I mean, I had a lot of friends that didn't have the same upbringing or home life that I had, the same type of parental situation that I had, and family. And I just realized a lot of times people don't realize that there are certain things that if they're not in place, people are just going through similar levels of struggle with more of everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is across the board, regardless of like, regardless of race. Just most people aren't that financially literate. Yeah. So you you think of someone they went to school, especially nowadays, they own absurd amount of debt. They have a car, they get married, they have a decent sized house, couple Uh kids. So someone from an impoverished area may be like, you guys are living the life. Yeah. Right. But they just they have just as much of nothing in the same proportion as you do. Mm-hmm. It just looks like they're making more money so they can afford a larger payment, but they also have more debt. Yeah. Like they just more of everything. And they don't understand just like you. They mm-hmm. just have more stuff to mess up. Yeah. And you just have less. So you're like, oh, this is great. Right. So one thing I recognized early on was the importance of understanding like the systems that we exist within. Many times people take not comprehending the systems that we exist within for it being designed against them. Mm-hmm. I, I strongly disagree with that. I don't think most people that fall in that category recognize that and certainly wouldn't agree, but my experiences have led me to strongly believe that is the case for many people Mm -hmm. because what I have learned from going to traveling to other countries with spending years 
around people that don't look like me, think like me, and act like me, mm-hmm. right? Is that relationships are very important. Like cultivating good relationships is hu- is huge. Your ability to communicate is very important. Your mm-hmm. ability to apply foresight is very important, <laughs> which the average person does not do. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's just not to belittle anyone. It's a normal thing. Yeah. Most people don't apply that much foresight to mm-hmm. their to their lives. All right. And and in recognizing that that's something that I've always taken into consideration with how I plan out where I want to be and the things I want to do. Mm-hmm. And it's benefited me immensely. Well, I think it's also very hard for a lot of people to plan that far ahead. I mean, when you're 15, 25, seems like you're on, you're mm-hmm. old. And then when you're 25, 45, seems like you're going to be, you know, and it keeps the cycle never stops. And our only yeah. <clears throat> influence is if you're not someone who reads or mm-hmm. constantly educates yourself is a, at max two and a half hour inspirational movie. Yeah. You know, or you, you, you go to the seminar or yeah, the seminar hypes you up and mm-hmm. yeah. Cause I, I tell folks cause I'm, I've been really fortunate to do some good investments mm-hmm. and then I'll talk to some friends and they'd be like, man, I, I want to learn how to do this, this and that. Like, how do you do it? And I'm like, man, all this information is out there for free. Yeah. Like, you don't have to pay people to learn this. No. Like, I, I don't really buy into this notion. Like, you, it, all these courses, like, you can do this, this with no money. Like, this dude has money mm-hmm. and he knows what he's doing. So he can write you a book about how to do stuff with no money. But that took his money and experience yeah. to get to that point. Like, so I wouldn't go as far as that. But what I will say is all the information exists for free, especially now. And the price for it is you sifting through what you can make use of and apply. And the price is just your time and energy. Absolutely. Because with the money, it's not going to, unless you got, I don't even know what course I could even justify that is out there that would. Maybe a Tony Robbins course. People seem to say good things about going yeah. there and having him cuss in your face and be 6'6", six, six, 280 <laughs> and scream at you, you know. But, and you can't do that anymore. So... Like that, that in and of itself, it's, I, I mean, all I did was read, mm-hmm. you know, all I had time to, I read a lot of books in my downtime and I listened to a lot of podcasts and that was it. And now yeah. I, now I have to listen to books because I don't make the time to sit down and read, which maybe I should, but I've noticed I retain the information better through mm-hmm. audio book. Yeah. I'm the same way too. That's yeah. Kind of why I started this stuff too, because like, man, I listen a lot better. My mind doesn't drift as much, especially mm-hmm. if I'm driving. Like, I only have one thing to pay attention to, and it's mm-hmm. this book or what I'm working out. Um, but yeah, it's just that ability to actually educate yourself, like you were saying. And, and I knew nothing about. Money. Yeah, I knew basic finances. Like when I came to Lejeune, I bought a car, but I didn't. I bought it cash mm-hmm. from some kid in the barracks who had bad credit card debt and I bought his truck off of him. And that's that, funny. 
that was it, you know, and that, that lasted me. Yeah, I have a story kind of like that. <laughs> and that lasted me until I ran into the ground and exploded. And my wife was like, all right, <laughs> it's, it's time to finally buy a truck that has air conditioning. And I was like, okay. So. Fair enough. You didn't do the PVC pipe thing? No. <laughs> just like, where I saw a, it was a picture on Facebook where they just had this vent to catch wind from the front of the car. Oh, and then they rounded it through. <laughs> <laughs> Is that you a story like that? <laughs> well, so I didn't have a driver's license until I was 22. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine, he had a license. He had terrible credit. Another friend of mine, I don't know why it ended up working out this way. We just went everywhere together. Yeah. So me with no license and the ability to buy a car, mm-hmm. we like all went together. This is such a like a boot marine story. We all went together and then mm-hmm. we... Like, I buy this car that we're all going to ride share. Yeah. Right? It was a a Chrysler New Yorker. That was back when they had the leather seats. It was like it was in a salon. It was super nice. I I wish they made cars like that now. But, yeah, so I got this car for like, man, I can't remember if I bought it for $2,400 or $800. One of the two. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a big difference, but whatever. (laughs) And then, uh. So we like ride this thing so wheels fall off. The transmission shot and it's like jerking when mm-hmm. you hit 45. It lasted a few years. I don't know anything about maintaining a car, but just like a similar scenario where I just buy this dump and ride it till the wheels fall off. Yeah. And I happen to have a sergeant. He would counsel me. And mm-hmm. every time he counseled me, he'd end it with like, and get your damn license. Right. So <laughs> On a, on my 22nd birthday, he's like, you're not working to get today. You're going to go get your driver's license. So I, I like went and scheduled the thing. That's, the only, that's probably the only reason I got a driver's license as soon as I did. Mm-hmm. Because he was like, this is what you're doing. And that was at the point where, you know, whatever a sergeant said is like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. God forbid you don't do that. Yeah. So I had a license the next day. Yeah. Just... <laughs> it's funny, the thing you're talking about, the uh, piping the air in. So I didn't have a radio in the car. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have AC. So I actually used, like, the um, the cigarette lighter. Like, mm-hmm. put a thing in there that yeah. had, has, like, the box with, like, all the plug-ins. So I plugged in a thing to charge my phone. But then I also plugged in um, a fan. Like a legitimate <laughs> clip-on yeah. desk fan, and I just like clipped it and <laughs> taped it onto the basically um, what, what the fuck am I trying to say? But basically onto the dash, yeah. And that was my air conditioning, and then my my speakers in the cars, <laughs> or was just a Bluetooth speaker, just like a cheap one that just shoved <laughs> in the top of the window. <laughs> oh man, that is awesome. But you know, I mean, I had that 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 shit box and. <laughs> At the same time, I had th- I had bought four properties, you know, mm-hmm. I purchased four properties. And yeah. I had friends who were like, well, if you got this, why don't you get a nicer car? And I was like, it's got me from point A to point B for three years now. And you know what? Maybe we can all deal with some discomfort of the heat and the cold of North Carolina. Not yeah. that I had a choice, but I literally drive sometimes and just be stacked up with like blankets on me mm-hmm. during the winters here. <laughs> and then, I mean, summer is just you know i'm just ready for hell you know <laughs> like you just oh man I, so this same car 
at the time, a little later down the road, so the the seat was moving itself. Yeah. Every time you went to turn the car on, it was dead. You had to get it jumped. Mm-hmm. I remember I had this girlfriend at the time, and man, I was like the worst boyfriend ever. <laughs> right? She came down to visit me from Connecticut, and we like went out to eat. Car died. We had to get the car jumped at the restaurant. I had an appointment at the hospital. The car was dead. It was snowing. And we she walked with me to the hospital. This is at Cherry Point. So everything's reasonably in walking distance. I just look back on that now and think, you were the worst boyfriend <laughs> ever. I tell my sister's boyfriend all the time. I'm like, man, you're really good at this like, <laughs> boyfriend thing. I'm telling you. He's like, you told me that already. It's like, I just wanted to reiterate it reinforce positive behavior you're yeah. killing it seriously <laughs> i like have a ton of respect mm-hmm. for your ability to do this boyfriend thing way better than me it's pretty cool to see <laughs> yeah it's the worst <laughs> but um so let's go back to what we were before the bathroom break yeah, yeah this is a fucking hard transition but, but it's okay but i want to talk about because you mentioned it Absolutely. you know i want you to get your your thoughts out there um I guess about a current event that's yeah currently I'm, I'm up happening. for whatever. Is it, yeah, is it two two actually, if mm-hmm. I'm recalling correctly. So we talked a little bit about some of my experiences while I was in Marsoc, and then you were asking if I was in Mali. Yeah, that's one, and then the other with the the guys that were in the Middle East mm-hmm. that were in Iraq. So I. Uh, I really wanted to, to talk about this because, one, I know what it's like not to be in a position like they're in, like they're looking at. Well, let's give, let's give everyone some context. Yeah, so, so there's two separate things. So one, uh, there's an incident in Mali where a Green Berets died. This incident involved some Navy SEALs and a couple Marine Raiders. I don't want to mess up the name because there's two Maxwells and I don't want to say the wrong one, but mm-hmm. Maxwell and uh, Mario Madeira Rodriguez. There's one event and this Green Beret, I want to say his last name is Melgor, ended up dying in that incident. And then another one uh, in Iraq, I may have been a few years later, uh, with a former Green Beret, I want to say retired gentleman. Mm-hmm. There's like a brief altercation and the former Green Beret ends up dying after this brief altercation with uh, these guys, Danny Dreher and, and Josh Negron and, and Gilman. I don't know Gilman very well, but in, in an instance that's really clearly self-defense, I mean, mm-hmm. not like about as self-restrained as you can get. And literally went out of their way to care for him after the fact, mm-hmm. right? So the reason it was important to me to talk about it was for a couple of things. One, the dynamic that is present now, and I'm not there to know if it's shifted, is it's a really rough situation to be in where you can't be confident that your leadership has your best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. Right where, and I've dealt with this, and this is a part of why I decided to get out. 
is, I mean, in Marsoc, you get a lot of leeway. I'm accustomed to having a lot of leeway, and that's a part of the, like, being teamed out dynamic, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm used to deciding what I want to do to achieve something yeah, and being more or less left with the autonomy to achieve it as long as I'm not doing something illegal, mm-hmm. right? But in the instance where after the fact, someone's displeased with learning how you do certain things, even if they're well within the lines, then, then you're in this position where you like are hung out to dry, right? Yeah. You're just yeah. like <laughs> flapping in the wind. And I feel like that's the position they're in. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of their peers and some senior guys who will absolutely clear the record and and will go up to bat for them any day of the week. But as far as like the overall leadership, I felt like there was a lot of silence and I felt like there was more posturing to protect the, the image of the organization and somehow distance itself from people that are a part of it mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to saying like, Hey, yes, something happened. It involved these people. Let's determine what occurred. But instead their immediate, their careers are immediately railroaded. They're the worst of assumptions are made. But from my interactions with them. So we talked about like you were asking me if I had ever been to Mali. Mm-hmm. And so I was, in a section for a brief period of time where I was supposed to go to Mali originally when I went to the section, I went to a course to prepare myself for this deployment. While I was in the course, that changed. And then I was supposed to go to another country. Mm-hmm. And then with that, the date shifted. So for one of these incidences, I was slated to be the junior man uh, on that deployment where one of these incidents occurred. All right. And that's not like, I don't know. I'm sure there are people who will question it, but I don't have a way to prove it to you. Right. Yeah. But like, I know this. So, and this is also a reason why it's important to me mm-hmm. because it's like, man, for all I know, I'd literally be in this position right now. Mm-hmm. If a number of things beyond my control had not occurred. And at the time, it did not seem ideal, even what happened with me, right? So go through this course and and then uh, finish it. And then I have a couple things not go the way I'd like to. I'll gloss over that, right? I end up, I start on this deployment. I'm in Germany. I'm two hours from getting on the plane. And then I see the, the staff officer in the airport. And I'm like, that's weird. You know, I think he would have told me if he was dropping someone, picking someone else up. I could have just left later. All right. So I, I turn on my phone. It's like, Avery, Avery, don't get on the plane. Avery, call me. Avery, Avery, Avery. I'm like, well, this isn't good. I knew what it was about. It was about the part that I just glossed over. Mm-hmm. Right. So I come back from a deployment a week into it. Mm-hmm. Right. Obviously, there's no good reason that happens. And for me, that was a low point. I'm like six months into a three-year re-enlistment and Maxwell and Mario uh, Madeira Rodriguez are in this section Mm -hmm. with me. I mean, this is like a low point and um, I have less friends than normal, Mm -hmm. right? Don't get me wrong. I 
I've cultivated some really good relationships. So I, for the most part, nobody's like, it's not like I'm getting heartache over it, but in a position where I'm at my lowest point and people can just question what I'm saying, they have no reason to believe me. They don't even know me that well. They treated me with the utmost respect. They were full of positivity. They, I don't know, that like treated me with dignity, right? So I don't know what happened as far as they're concerned. I mean, I know they have families to be concerned with. Mm-hmm. I know this affected their ability to take care of their families. And for Maxwell, I think his house got wrecked during Florence. Yeah. I mean, so he's got a lot of things going on with this when this is occurring. I think he ended up pleading or something and and going to jail. And then I think Mario's still fighting things. And I and I sincerely hope it works out for him because I've I've gotten the opportunity to act, interact with these folks when they had no reason to treat me the way they did, there was no benefit to it. And to me, yeah. that's a huge insight to someone's character, mm-hmm. right? There's there's no reason for them to manufacture that. And the same thing with, and then to fast forward, right? Well, if someone was to like read this in the news, like what would... So, uh, like, so the, the, narrative, the narrative is like, there's been some conflicting stuff, yeah. right? The, the narrative was that that people were inappropriately using funds and that Melger was going to report it and in, in an effort to keep him from reporting it, they, there was some like hazing incident that went wrong that's kind of like in a nutshell mm-hmm. and some of the things shifted like cause I was in the middle of hearing all sides when it occurred. So I don't want to just speak incorrectly, but that's kind of in a nutshell. Like when I teach the, the, the story out there is like the, the idea was they're going to teach him a lesson and it goes wrong terribly. Right. So that's what was uh, but from knowing some things, it's like, just some of it didn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, like, so for an example, on deployments from the last two deployments I was on, I was a pay agent. As a pay agent, I personally had $60,000 in cash. I mean, like, have it. And all you have to know how much is correctly spent and on what is what I write down and what I say. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that takes an incredible amount of trust and integrity. And me understanding the way it works is like everyone there has their own money. Yeah. And significant amounts of it and more than one pool of it. So this idea that there was like this collaboration of spending trivial amounts of money on the wrong thing Mm -hmm. and this need to cover it up, it just didn't add up to me. Yeah. It doesn't. It really doesn't. It just sounded fishy to you. or Yeah, because... I, not necessarily fishy, just that the truth is not what's being communicated. Yeah. Because for someone to jeopardize their livelihood over these relatively small amounts of money compared to the amount they have at hand to use at their disposal yeah. and declare appropriately used as they see fit, like it just doesn't add up. Like this is the hill. They picked the die on as a group. Mm-hmm. And also that, not only that, but like, 
between the seals and the raiders they have their own separate stuff it's not like it's mixed together yeah so it's not like like they crowdfunded illegal acts <laughs> like it's just it doesn't add up right mm-hmm. now was the other thing it, it's really easy to paint this narrative and, and just run off with it but it's like i just wanted it to exist that like these are good dudes and I don't know what happened, so maybe something terrible happened. But even if that is the case, I can recognize like the character of these individuals mm-hmm. and see more than that. So I, I randomly talked to Mario like literally once in a blue moon. Uh, and I was like, just say like, hey, man, I, I hope everything's going all right. Like literally, if you need anything, like, please let me know. Yeah. I, absolutely. Because, like, I've dealt with you when I was at some really low points, and I know what kind of person you are, regardless of what happened. I, like, I don't, it's happened, right? I don't care to know, but I do care that it doesn't get any worse mm-hmm. for anyone than it already is. And then the same thing, like, to fast forward. So, I mean, Danny Dreyer, I remember I was going through ITC at the time. He came to the schoolhouse. And the first time I met him, he was, we. it was in Alexander's, ironically. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it was in Alexander's. This was a hot minute ago. And uh, he was there with one of, like, the comm teachers from the, fa- the one of the first phases of ITC that I was terrible in. Mm-hmm. And we recognized her because she was like the cool teacher. Mm-hmm. And then we were talking to him. And then, uh, like, this dude is literally one of the poster children of Marsa. Like, the older posters, like, he's yeah. in some of them oh. with uh, Adam Kanash. Uh, I can recall it's like a, they're clearing a house together, mm-hmm. ironically. And, and I remember rapping with him a little bit and then seeing him down the road. And it, guys, respect, ton of respect for him. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to cross paths with someone on the East Coast that does not know who he is. I mean, like, his reputation speaks for itself. It's a highly respected individual, ton of experience. He's put in an incredible amount of work, like mm-hmm. a, a person, a character, uh, hands down. And despite that, you know, always willing to mentor somebody, to teach somebody. Okay, he's a solid dude. Yeah. I just, I don't know any other way to say it. And then I have limited like interaction with Josh Negron, but I was in Static Line Jumpmaster with him. Just like a really straightforward, no nonsense guy, right? Mm-hmm. And it was, and we had, excuse me, and when I was a, an assistant company ops chief, uh, getting ready for my last deployment, we had a combined evaluation like deployment evaluation the last big exercise before you go out and they were a part of the hire that we were reporting to so a little more interaction with them then just uh, guys a great character so this event you know essentially they all have the ability to be out within these parameters they're out and then this guy, they have this confrontation with him and they're like avoiding him, right? They're not, he's continually instigating this, he's being the aggressor and they, they continue to remove themselves from this situation. And then 
it drags throughout the night and then they they're leaving and this person instigates an alt a confrontation again and then he approaches uh Danny and and Josh and them and then they literally like in this brief altercation one punch is thrown one mm-hmm. like i mean can you imagine somebody bothering you all night yeah and then you throw one punch and you're like that's it mm-hmm. it's like you've been begging for it all night right yeah. like an incredible amount of restraint and then so he ends up you know going down on this this one hit which is recorded actually so you can literally see this play out like it, it's very clearly self defense i mean outside of running yeah. <laughs> away from him and then working in the same places he works which mm-hmm. like it's not like it's going to end right so you can literally see this play out like this occurs and then they actually look after him take him home like treat him and then he ends up passing away i'm assuming he hit his head or something when he when he fell to the ground and then now <clears throat> it just spirals into this thing right mm-hmm. where like when i first heard of it they made it sound like like they jumped him yeah <laughs> right like and then you hear the details come out and it's like man that's what happened I, why is this still even in, why is this still unfolding? Like still in question. Uh, yeah. One, <clears throat> the the leadership was incredibly silent mm-hmm. on the matter. Now General Yu has his own issues, which we'll see how that plays out. Right. But I, I found that really disappointing. Right. Because I think it's very important that at the very least people know that as a leader, they can depend on you to have their best interests at hand to take care of them when maybe they're not at their best. Yeah. I think that's super important. And I don't think there's enough of that. I, I felt like there was a lack of it. And that was a part of what led me to leave among other things was I just that. And I felt like I was capable of more than what I was doing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And I don't say that in the sense as in I felt like I should have been in JSOC or something, right? Like doing tier one missions. I mean that in the sense as over time, I I had the opportunity to recognize my strengths Mm -hmm. and talents. And it became very clear to me that two things became very clear to me. One, no matter what level of results I demonstrated the ability to yield, the outcome was the same. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I waited like anyone else to be considered for a promotion. All right. And then even in that pool of individuals, there's the span of, you know, me taking on roles beyond my rank and typical level of responsibility and the person who went to PME and, ran a decent physical fitness test and held billets that correspond to their rank and perform reasonably well in it. Mm-hmm. Like there's a certain number of people that are just going to get promoted. Yeah. All right. So at, at some point, the only reward for performance was responsibility. And that wasn't sufficient to me. I can't eat that. I can't 
like take care of a family with that, just being responsible for more, but being rewarded the same. Not that mm-hmm. money in itself is like the sufficient reward. And then the other thing was that the things I recognized that I was best at, I could not perform at the highest level I was capable of within the organization. It, it just wouldn't or couldn't facilitate it. Yeah. And and to give some really specific examples. So on I as a staff sergeant, I had the opportunity to deploy as a team chief for a short deployment. On this deployment, I was corresponding with the this country's equivalent of their commanding general of Army Special Operations. I was also corresponding on a daily basis with the equivalent of the commander of their Army Special Operations School and Training mm-hmm. for like their National Army Special Operations Force. Right. And then I had follow on deployments. So I am communicating with these folks in my third language, arranging the daily logistics and resources that we need. I'm identifying, you know, the progress of the training. We designed the training calendar. I mean, we're literally saying, like, what do you want to do at the end? All right, we're going to do this, this and this for this time. And I think we'll be capable of X mm-hmm. 30 days later. Right. And then in addition to that, we had this constraint where, and you brought this up earlier, where we can't bring weapons in the country. Yeah. Our next deployment a month later is to teach people how to use a sniper system that they don't have yet. Mm-hmm. And we can't bring guns in the country. Mm-hmm. And it is two months long. Yeah. So I tried really hard to get someone in our embassy to say, like, it makes sense to teach them how to use guns they don't have, that you should bring the guns. I think this makes sense. No one would do that. Nobody. And it literally got to the point where it was just like, no one is going to say yes to this. Mm -hmm. Stop. Right? Right. And when someone says that out of an embassy, you listen. <laughs> so when that came up, I was like, all right, well, uh, I mean, I'm not going to come here in a month and put together some week course based on the theory of shooting a mm-hmm. gun you don't have. So we, we, I talked with these commanders and some guys on the team mm-hmm. had close relationships with snipers they were training and they were like, hey, man, these guys have the guns already. This is a different branch. Yeah. So we're this is the Army. And the branch we were doing the sniper training with was the Marine Special Forces of this country. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, these guys already have these guns. They're just brand new sitting in the box. But, I mean, they're not the ones <laughs> doing the training. So I was like, all right, well, these dudes already told me no. I'm pretty sure they meant it. (laughs) And so I have to figure out how to get them to let us borrow them. Mm -hmm. So I talk with them over time, like, hey, you know, we've got this thing coming up and I heard that you got this stuff. We could really use it. (laughs) And then I'm just like talking to them about this and just planting the seed, right? Mm -hmm. 
and over time we develop like good relationship. We communicate well and th the training's going really well. Things are going smoothly. And in this country, it's really common to give a gift, right? Yeah. That might just be normal in general. Like you give a gift at the end. So we have a paddle uh, that we presented. In this instance, the general took the paddle like it was for the schoolhouse that we had been working with the whole time, right? Like we're using their training areas around the courses they're conducting mm -hmm. for their for the development of their special operations force. Mm -hmm. So like they've been give, doing a lot of giving, right? Yeah. So we presented this paddle and the general took it. And I was like, perfect. I will be back here next time. I need you to get me to this base and I'm going to give them another one, mm -hmm. right? So I like had it all, just literally just me making stuff up in my mind, like yeah. this is happening, all of it, a paddle is gonna get me everything I want. <laughs> I've been, we had a super good like interaction, good rapport, like this is happening. We're mm -hmm. gonna get these guns, I'm gonna get them this paddle. I, I don't know why that was like what I thought was gonna do it. Mm -hmm. But no kidding, so while we're back in the States, like, train wreck team gets disbanded yeah like which is a whole nother ball of wax <laughs> team gets disbanded um the only people left on the team are me and the junior guy uh because i put together a lot of the stuff that was planned for the rest of the year so it was like well you're not going anywhere and uh, I don't think he had anything to do with what happened so you yeah. stay right <laughs> and, and and you speak this language so I put, I get all the, the gifts together, a new paddle. I, I call the guy in the embassy, like, I need you to get me to this base yeah. within the first week that we get down there. So he hooks it up. I go there and I, I give the, the schoolhouse commander this paddle. And I'm like, I wanted to make sure I got this to you because it's important you understand that when I tell you something, that's what is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I know we discussed this thing. It would be really helpful if you were able to do this. A week yeah. later, a week later, a dozen brand new guns and an armor showed up. Yeah. Two hours away to a training event for another service mm -hmm. that they didn't even have anyone attending. Yeah. And that was the first time where I was like, there's people who get paid good money for doing stuff like this, right? <laughs> that was the first time I really thought like, like I know there are some folks who make some serious money mm -hmm. doing things like this. Yeah. That was the first time I really thought that. The second time I thought that, like a really glaring example of it was on my second to last deployment. Mm -hmm. It was after the me being in that section where I was supposed to go uh, on this deployment to West Africa, West Africa just fell apart. My week long deployment, right? My fall from grace. And then I ended up on another team two weeks later, <laughs> two, literally two weeks later. I remember that I had been at the battalion for six years at the time. And I was like, Master Guns, I want orders. I want to go to the regiment. He was like, are you sure you want to go to the regiment? Because they're the ones who said you are not, like, that you're coming home after a week in your deployment. I was like, yep, that's where I want to be. <laughs> and he was like, well, you know, there's this in the schoolhouse, mm -hmm. and I've got a gap in this team. And then at the time, I was like, well, 
you know, it doesn't really work for me. And I'll talk to my wife and I was married at the time and, and see what she says. And then I came back the next day. And I was like, yeah, it doesn't work. I want to go to the regiment. <laughs> and he was like, well, you know, I got this gap in this team. It's now it's very clear. The option is the gap in the team. Yeah. So I was like, well, you know, I'll talk to the wife. Cause most dudes will jump at the chance to do another deployment. I just, yeah. most dudes will. But I, I literally deployed at least once a year, every year from 2012 to 2018. And then, I mean, that one in 18 went to 19. Yeah. Right. So for me, I was like, ah, I really don't care. Yeah. Right. But that was the only option. So I ended up on this team, mm-hmm. which was great that yeah. I did. Solid team. But while I'm on this team, I end up going to a conference to plan this large special operations exercise. It's yeah. the U.S. representative for the country that I'm in. Yeah. Right. And then... I get there. It's the initial conference. So there's people from like, I, I don't even know, but easily, easy, easily two dozen countries mm-hmm. for the sake of being conservative, yeah. way more than that. And you're just planning out like, all right, these people are going to work with these people mm-hmm. and want to do this and that. And I was working with lieutenant colonels from three different European, European countries. Mm-hmm. And they also had two other partner forces, African partner forces that they wanted to bring to another country. Yeah. All right. So you're talking about roughly 400 something people from five countries going to a sixth country with, I want to say it was like eight aircraft or something. I was like, all right, well, you know, our team's consistently deployed to this country. Mm -hmm. So we would play a role in it. I was like, all right, so what do you all want to do? They're like, well, we want a like fast rope, and I was like, what? Like, you want a fat? Like that's what you all thought of? This is one dude out of everything else. Lieutenant Colonels talking about fast roping. Like, what is happening here? So I remember, uh, like everybody's just making this stuff up. Everybody, nobody knows what they want to do. You're just making it up. Yeah. So I, I went to this first conference. We made a little slide of what we were planning, just kind of a rough draft, mm-hmm. and then the second one rolled around. And it was the same thing. It's like, yeah, we want to do some shooting and some fast roping and counter IED. It's like, bro, is like, is that what we've gotten to mm-hmm. for five countries to do together? That's all. <laughs> so I, I remember putting together the slides, mm-hmm. and because we're working with the forces yeah. that they're going to be working with in this exercise. And I remember putting together the slides. And then basing it off of the U.S. State Department's like lines of efforts in the U.S. strategic goals mm-hmm. for the Department of Defense and stuff, right? And saying like, all right, well, you know, the, they're they're weak in uh, command and control. They're mm-hmm. they're weak in decentralized like leadership and bottom up planning and this this and this and that. So based on my experience previously mm-hmm. of creating these schedules to achieve a certain capability by X time, I schedule out this- You make a plan. This training cycle mm-hmm. uh, based on their like strengths and weaknesses and, and how everyone's gonna play into it and how it benefits 
America, right? Yeah. And then so I, I put this thing together and I was like, all right, I made this. What do you guys think? They're like, yeah, looks good. I'm like, goodness gracious. All right. So, <laughs> I mean, it was good. It's yeah. not like I put together something terrible. And then did it work like, out well? Well, so that was, so that it happened. I was long gone Mm -hmm. by the time it happened. So I really don't have the ability to know. Mm -hmm. But I remember getting home from that second one, not home, back to the country. I was deployed to from that second conference and meeting with the chief of the, I don't remember what he's called, but Mm -hmm. chief of the service member stuff, the military I don't remember what that office is called. The senior military <laughs> dude, not the senior military person in the embassy, but the mm-hmm. senior military dude in like military affairs, whatever that is. Like public affairs or no, I'm human gonna resources. To, I'm going to have to think of what it is. Like mm-hmm. Office of Security Cooperation. Okay. Something like that. Maybe you're talking to the, this chief the chief of, this of that. Shop. So they're like typically a colonel, lieutenant colonel, yeah. American, obviously. He's like, hey, how was it? What do you think? And I was like, oh, you know, I think this, this, and that. He's like, so what do you think we should do? And I'm like, what? Why are you asking me that? Yeah. I feel like you should know what you want to do. Yeah. Right? So I did the same thing. I put it all together. I was like, we should do this, 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 and this over this time frame and Mm -hmm. these places or you can do it. And this is the capability they have and so on and so forth. He's like, looks good. I'm going to propose this to this country. And I'm like. So that was the second time where I was yeah. like, I don't, I think I'm being underpaid. Like, like, like <laughs> right? you're doing all this right? stuff. And right? Yeah. And, and it's not about you're money, but like, that's the only metric, right? Like, but you're not I getting can't, compensated. I can't, I can't measure smiles and handshakes. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's pretty clear to me that there are a number of people who are responsible for things like this. Yeah. It's really strange to me that everyone is really comfortable with just doing what I decided to do. Like not without the, question. The 29 year old staff sergeant with mm-hmm. half as much time in service as you like, that's really strange to me. So either I have some ability that I'm still recognizing or everyone really doesn't care. Right. So that was the, the like second time where I was mm-hmm. like, all right, I think you should really look into where you can leverage what you are best at. And that was mm-hmm. where I started to look onto what was next for me. Onto the next step, which became real estate. Well, well not yet. Not yet. Okay. Not yet because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. I was kind of spinning my wheels. I thought about being in like disaster preparedness and yeah. all types of stuff. And real estate kind of evolved out of it. So the first home I bought was a duplex. The next year, I bought a couple quadruplexes with a friend of mine. We managed those, or excuse me, over that time, we got familiar with different property managers in the Jacksonville area, Mm -hmm. learning about renovating properties, maxing out rent, and and maintaining things. And then fast forward to 2018, we sell them. I take my portion of the money and... What did I do? I invested with my friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I purchased a home in Wilmington, like two unit property in Wilmington. And I invest the rest of the money with my friend who wants to start flipping houses. We have a really good relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't recommend this, but we basically had this fluid verbal agreement. <laughs> just gave him this money. I made him an authorized user on my credit card. And I'm like capital partners with him. And 
what was it like july august yeah <laughs> sounds like a terrible like yeah. recipe for disaster july august this is around the time frame that happened mm-hmm. florence hits i deploy literally a week after florence basically a couple weeks after florence I'm out of the country around January of 19. He refinances. So what was what were going to be flips ended up being buying holds or fixed to rents. Yeah. He refinances, cashes me out. He sends me more money in this transfer than I made that year. And this is January of 2019. Yeah. And, I, and I think maybe I should focus on this. <laughs> it was literally yeah. I was like well I'm kind of just like sort of I'm definitely putting most of my money into it and mm-hmm. some of my attention to it what would come of this if I focused on it so I I ended up I bought a house while I was deployed mm-hmm. I came home bought another house and then within the last month I was getting out I bought another house mm-hmm. right, which I live in one of those the yeah. middle one I live in it still and which was a risk because I didn't have a job. Like I didn't even apply yeah. for a job. It, my thought was like, well, you know, I have some rental income and I'll own the house free and clear. So at least I won't be homeless. Yeah. That was literally the thought process. And it just became more and more clear that I, I was energized by the ability to look at a property and, mm-hmm. and, and analyze it and determine what, how it was performing and how to maximize its performance. Yeah. And that led me to, to where I am now. To where you are today. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's roughly, that was roughly a year ago. Yeah. Or that ends off. <laughs> yeah. Here you are today. Well, <laughs> dude, I think we've hit over two hours. So nice. We'll have to do this again. I'm down. Dig deep again. But I'm yeah, down, yeah. That's a good one. So, um, tell people where they can find out more about you. Give your shameless plugs. Oh, tell man. Them. Where can you find out more about me? All right. So, I'm on Instagram. If you do hashtag precise property solutions, you should be able to find me. I'm on Facebook. I think looking that up on Facebook will yield the same results. Mm. I should be one of the first Avery Washingtons that pop up. I probably post more than the others do. <laughs> and the, the, the professional photo may stick out. That's probably the best way to reach me. And then also, like, I don't know. I, I don't mind just working through some stuff. So, so recently, perfect mm-hmm. example, I had a guy. So I try to market every day on social media. I had a guy reach out to me and he would hit me up randomly. He was like, Hey, Avery, my, my agent's taking too long to get back to me. So, you know, you think this is a good flip? And I'm like, is this dude looking for an investment or a house? Like, what yeah. are you doing? And then he's like, yeah, my agent's having a baby. So, uh, like, she's not working for me anymore. You want to help me? And then he ended up calling me and he bought a foreclosure. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, man, well, how much did you pay for it? I was like, oh, I paid this much. I was like, all right, your margins are tight. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm looking at it now the house has a lot of good features Mm -hmm. I think you could reasonably pull somewhere in this range however you have to put a ton of elbow grease into this 
and run off a shoestring budget. Yeah. So like, I mean, folks can text me, call me at 910-787-0877. Like, I don't have any issue of like talking through stuff like that. It interests Just me. helping them out. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't feel the need to get paid for like every time I interact with somebody. So you're not someone who's yeah. like, well, if you're going to talk to me, yeah. there is another realtor in town. So, okay, we'll try to wrap up the show real quick. Yeah. <laughs> there was someone who... Um, was telling me that well I tried to talk to this other realtor about investing they're like but they wanted me to pay them like 200 bucks for an hour of their time I was like bud I can give you way I can find you a million more people who will give you way more value in less time yeah than that like like nothing gets that person I was like that's kind of why the fuck would you do that some people value their time differently than others Mm -hmm. I just at the end of the day I'm I'm expanding my network. Yeah. I'm providing value to someone. And that person, even if it doesn't pay me, it may help me maximize the relationship I have with someone else, like wholesalers, right? Yeah. I don't have money to buy every wholesale flip you bring to my mm-hmm. attention, right? But if I have a network of people interested, yeah. when I call you, it's not somebody just tire kicking again. Yeah. I, you reasonably know I'm trying to sell this mm-hmm. house you have a finite amount of time to get sold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I kind of I like that stuff. Yeah, well, all right. We'll have to do this again. And thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, all right. this was good. Love is love. Love is love. Adios.